Hello, and thank you for listening to what amounts to a season finale of a Social Action Briefing as we record on Wednesday evening, uh, May the 10th. I am Craig Milch. I'm here with Professor Jessica Mitchell. Hello, Jess. Hey, Craig. And Martina Stevenson. Hello, Martina. Hello. And this is uh, Martina's last episode as the Social Action Briefing Social Work Intern. Claps, claps, claps. Congratulations <laughs> on making it through the season. Thank um, you. And uh, thank you for uh, for everything you've done this year, including the uh, the episodes that were interviews that you conducted. And now on your last uh, episode as an intern, you know, I'm sure you'll be back as a friend of the program. Um, you uh, you've basically produced this whole episode. So, uh, you know, this episode is a celebration of, of you. It's a it's a. It's an entire TBD almost, and a uh, very special finale. So uh, I will I will hand it over to you. Thank you, guys. I really want to take the time. Definitely, thank you both, um, Jessica and Craig, and all of our guests that um, join us throughout the semester. Um, I really enjoy talking to them. I enjoyed just being on this podcast and talking and learning, um, just educating on various topics. So this was a great experience. Thank you guys. Thank you. Welcome. So this evening, um, I want to talk about um, mental health awareness because May is mental health awareness. Um, so a lot of this information I'm presenting today, I found it on the CDC. So if anyone wants to go back and reference to, back to the CDC website, feel free to do so. But um, it's it's great that we're talking more about mental health because for many years, as we all know, it's been stigmatized and it's still stigmatized in so many um, ways. But at least now we're having more conversations about it. So May is basically to a time to prioritize self-care and take time to recharge. Um, they specifically mention May 18th is a mental health action day, a day to take one hour for yourself, your loved ones, or your community. Just oh, they to, picked a Thursday for that. Is it a Thursday? Yeah. Next Thursday. Yes, next Thursday. Um, so that's that's great that they're doing that. I thought also it's just a reminder, even though, yes, take that one hour isn't that that's their action day. But I would just remind everyone, just do some self-care every single day if you can. I encourage it, even if it's 10 minutes. You know, I often talk about I take at least like 10 minutes or a few minutes before bed, I watch comedy because mm -hmm. I just don't want to go to bed with anything like heavy on my mind or you're going through the work day or whatever it is. I watch comedy every single day. Laughter is really good. What do you watch? Mind. Huh? What do you watch? So I go from, um, I watch a lot of times I'll watch the daily show, but it's comedy. Plus I get my news, right? Oh yeah. Um, 
so that's comical to me. How are you doing not having your nightly programming because of the writer's strike? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm sad about that. But guess what? I feel like the writer's strike is needed. I was listening to someone oh, totally. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening. I was like, they absolutely, you know, they need more, they, they're, you know, more pay, more benefits, whatever they need. It's, it's definitely needed for what they're doing. However, it's affecting, you know, shows and I'm sure other people's, um, you know, jobs and things like that. Um, but please, I hope they get what they want, you know? Um, so, yeah, I go front. I watch. It could be Dave Chappelle. It could be Trevor Noah. It could be um, just any comedy that shows up. Sometimes they they have um, anything that's on, like on YouTube. I forgot the names of it, but I'll just watch various comics and I just sit, yeah watch. So a lot of stand up. A lot of stand up. Yeah, I watch a lot of stand up. Yeah. Did you guys see the um, White House correspondent with Roy Jr.? Roy Wood? W Roy, yeah, where Roy Jr.? I, I saw some clips. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Okay. Uh, like all the way through. How, I thought did he you, did you a really it? great job. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, to have all of those people that I feel like has no sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry um you know just sit there and just stare and blank stare pretty much um to get them to laugh that's a pretty difficult thing to do so comedy is my thing um nice. for self-care uh, so um they went into um what is a ment you know mental health mental health includes our emotional psychological and social well-being it affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make healthy choices. It's important at every age of life, from childhood and adolescent through adulthood. Um, and also, let's it's adulthood, but let's, I think the elder, um, elder population kind of is uh, I would I, that's special to me because I think sometimes we often forget them um when we come to, you know when we're talking about mental health or anything so let's not forget our 65 plus population as well yes. yeah yeah um and then it says how common are mental health illnesses Mental health illness are among the most common health conditions in the United States. More than one in five adults in the U.S. live with a mental illness. Over one in five youth ages 13 to 18, either currently or at some point during life, have had a seriously debilitating mental illness. Um, I would even take this age younger because since COVID, we've seen children basically, even before COVID, we're seeing kids younger, you know, younger than eight, um, dealing with some form of mental illness. Um, okay. <laughs> Let me go back and explain my chuckle when we're talking about mental illness for mm -hmm. senior citizens. I was just oh. thinking that... <laughs> 
I had the thought that like like uh, a couple of topics on on this in a row like made me think of Donald Trump. First, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I was thinking about how Obama roasted him, and then he basic like you know the, like the, the idea is like him getting roasted made him actually want to run for president. Oh. And, and then just talking about yeah senior citizens with mental illness. I mean, oh. you know, you, you don't want to diagnose anyone, but you know, he's obviously out of his mind. So even in this, I can't, I can't. Uh, can't get away from Trump. So let's get away from him again. Sorry about that. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, so about one in 25 adults live with, with a serious mental illness, such as schizophrenia, bipolar, or major depression. And the causes of mental illness, there's no single cause for mental illness, but a, there are a number of factors that can contribute to the risk for mental illness, such as adverse childhood experiences, um, such as trauma or a history of abuse. Um, it could be child abuse, sexual assault, witnessing violence, etc. Experiences related to other ongoing chronic me medical conditions, such as cancer or diabetes, um, biological factors or chemical imbalances in the brain, use of alcohol or drugs, having feelings of loneliness or isolation. And I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about, we were discussing um, uh, black maternal health. So I'm going to add on here too with the medical, well, it's not a medical condition, but of course, postpartum depression um, would definitely fall in here somewhere. Sometimes it can last at least a year to three years even. Um, and basically life can cause it. So yeah. it shouldn't be a stigma if someone has it, you know, it's just something you have. Yes. Life stressors. It could be a job. It could be you're in school, whatever it is, you know, but just encourage everyone, you know, if you're going through this to seek help. And here are some ways that you can reach out to get help. If you're struggling or know someone who is struggling or in crisis, you can call or text. 988 or chat at 988lifeline.org. Again, that's call or text 988 or chat at 988lifeline.org. Um, I going I have up here to um, Long Island Crisis Hotline because I know many of our listeners are out on Long Island. Um, so the number here is 516. Six seven nine one 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 one. Um, again, that's five one six seven six seven nine eleven eleven. And if you're out in Suffolk County, six three one seven five one seventy five hundred six three one seventy five hundred. I'm sorry, six three one seven five one seventy five hundred. Um, there's also a disaster distress. Helpline, you can call or text 1 800 985 5990. 1 800 985 5990. In other ways, you can contact a therapist or a psychiatrist. Um, any of these hotlines, um, they would guide you to, to a therapist or a psychiatrist. Um, you can also look 
for some providers through your insurance or psychologytoday.com or even the cdc.gov um, site. Um, and then just encouraging everybody, just try to develop natural support, which is, you know, like family, friends, or support groups. So that's really important to help you through um, a difficult time if you're struggling with a mental illness. So support is always great, having positive, you know, people around you. And then we're switching gears. We're kind of reviewing um, the year with, you know, the current events that we discussed. Um, I'm not sure what's been like the most memorable topics for you guys, but as I was going through just the different episodes, I was just, you know, thinking about, um, some of the ones that we discussed, I think what stood out to me was, I remember you guys going to the school district, but we'll get to that. Um, where, <laughs> yeah, that stood out to me. Um, so we started. Oh off, yeah, it goes. Yeah, it goes back to August twenty twenty two. Wow. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, we've done so many episodes. So it started off at episode thirty two. We were returning from the summer break. Um, it was you and Jessica presented and I was just kind of like the new person on board just <laughs> watching out, and listening. listening yeah yeah so um and so look at you now I know I really enjoyed this I was like oh my goodness I actually this had me thinking of I enjoy teaching and um just speaking to people about important topics I didn't know this side of me <laughs> I'm know? glad we found it yeah, thank you. So uh, episode 32, we started off with Biden's announce um, the student loan debt relief, enacted yeah. climate um, health care and tax fairness re reconciliation, bill election results, and New York State wrongful convic convictions bill passed assembly. Yeah, so now it's still on pause, student debt relief. A favorite topic of Jess is that we haven't, yeah, it's just kind of just been stalled, I guess, this whole time. Right. It's, uh, no, it's not stalled. It's at the Supreme Court. So, well, yeah, waiting for stuff to happen, though, right? Like they're going to have an art. Like, where are they? They, they start they, briefing. Like, what's their stage with it? They did the oral arguments already. And, yeah. Oh. Like, you, you know, typically they start releasing opinions like late May and June. Oh, yeah. There's actually I think there's opinions that are supposed to come tomorrow. Yeah. So I really have no idea. I want my fucking $20,000. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's really all I have to say about that at this point. I've said everything else. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, this is too good to be true. There, there had to be something. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I, I hope it, you know, it works out. I mean, and yeah, episode 2033 is when I started recording. <laughs> Got my feet wet a little bit. <laughs> um, so we talked about the water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi, and Pakistan, Women's Day suffrage, and the fallout of um, Dobbs racist incident at um, Brigham Young University. 
um, volleyball game. So that was, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if they're getting enrollments because this is not, yeah, if you're part of the LGBTQ community, this is not the school for you. I'm sorry. I mean, the problem is, is if you're part of the community or just like, you know, a human being who likes other human beings, you shouldn't be going to school there. But Brigham Young is not really a place that is like searching out like the wider swath of people, like they're searching for Mormon people to mm-hmm. enroll in their program. So I doubt that they're really having a hard time finding people, which is unfortunate, but like they um, you have to sign like a morality code to like go to school there. I, I, rem- I only know this because when I was in like high school, I used to watch the real world and one of the real world cast members went to Brigham Young and actually got kicked out while she was on the show because she- Julie. Yes, because she was in a house with men. So she got kicked out of the school for that. Oh, wow. Good times. Yeah. MTV, so informative. (laughs) RIP MTV News. I know, I really- Yeah, I miss them. I miss like the old MTV. I miss like the old real world. <laughs> We're telling our age. <laughs> Let's just stop. We are. We are. <laughs> really good. But I miss them. Uh, so episode 34, we update on, we had an update on the water crisis and discussed the 14th Amendment disqualifications, election um, chicanery. I think that's what. Um, yeah. Yeah. In Georgia and Florida, Alvin brags hypocrisy. Craig, by the way, how many times I've seen hypocrisy on these reports? I was just <laughs> cracking up. <laughs> it's never ending. It's never ending. But Brad ended up bringing in like, wow. I think his hypocrisy in this instance was about not bringing a case against Trump. I, I, I don't remember. I know, like, that was definitely the, the thing you know, that I remembered about him sort of before this was that like people that were putting the case together against Trump left and then seemed like it was going away. And they, then he did the indictment, unless it's some, it could be some other type of hypocrisy, uh, him being a DA and whatnot. Wow. And then it was also um, suicide prevention month. So that must've been September. Um, that's suicide prevention month. And Episode 35, we discussed fascism at home and abroad, an important climate treaty, the medical system treatment of people who do or can give birth. And I think we um, gave the example of a case of extremes um, and neglect in the prison system. So, and then um, episode 36, the Alabama voting rights um, SCOTUS case, um, Republican hypocrisy, employment description, discrimination, New York school, reclassification, menstruation, monitoring in Florida. That story was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one stood out to me. Uh, just Florida and overall. It's just, I don't know what's going to happen there in this, that state. Um, just today, I saw DeSantis came out with, um, he wants to pass a law for workers who are undocumented 
not to be able to work. So, and I, what I saw was it was a bunch of construction workers and, or people who basically would do like, um, you know, just what we call them blue collar jobs. Um, so this is going, that's going to be interesting. So nobody, I feel like people feel like immigrants come here, they take the job. No, that's not how it works. The people who are here don't want to do the jobs that the immigrants are doing. Trust me, my family members are immigrants, right? They've come here. They had to do all these hardcore jobs that nobody wants to do. Um, so yeah, it's coming from the same that. people that complain about, you know, no one wants to work will complain about immigrants. Yeah. Hypocrisy. Yes. Hypocrisy. Yeah. And, um, and so I just checked what that was with Bragg and it was actually that he spoke against prosecuting someone, uh, a, a domestic violence survivor who acted in self-defense mm-hmm. and then was going to do it. But then ultimately relented when people, you know, gave him shit for it. So it was different from the Trump thing. Wow. I had an inkling, but so that's what that was. Yeah. And then, of course, we talked about more Dobbs collateral damage. Um, it seemed like throughout the semester, we just kept talking about that. And unfortunately, it's just going to keep yeah. being damaged. Like one of the f- damage. Yeah. One of the few things that uh, rival. Uh, Republican hypocrisy, especially in uh, in frequency, is uh, examples of the fallout of Dobbs. Hmm. Yeah. So, and then episode thirty-seven, the slate of uh, election diners or diners running in November elections. Deniers. Deniers. Okay, I didn't know what you meant by that. Sorry. Um, the people that, t- you know, said that the election was stolen from Donald Trump in 2020. Oh, those people. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and they all lost. So, and, well, the ones that in sort of like places where it could matter in terms of, uh, you know, an election being stolen from Democrats, like there are election deniers in positions in very red states that Trump wins anyway, which is not as bad, you know, from like a political real results perspective, but obviously is still a travesty to have somebody in a democracy that uh, is uh, completely anti. So are they the group of people that had a tantrum on January 6th? They were a part of that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we talked about anti-LGBTQ discrimination at the Long Island School District, racism from Alabama Senator and Los Angeles City Council, and Biden steps towards cannabis legalization. And uh, I, I, I'm assuming that that was Tommy Tuberville, uh, although you never know with what Alabama Senator, but probably was. And today, uh, he had some quote basically saying, like people, you know, calling, like talking about like white nationalists. And he's like, you know, you call them white nationalists. I call them Americans. That's basically what he said today. So, 
episode 38, uh, SCOTUS, Republican plans if they win the House, GOP, again, GOP hypocrisy, DeSantis fascism, I'm so sick of him, fake vandalism, defund the police arguments, and an attempted ban on drag in Idaho. That was another story that stood out to me, and more Dobbs effects. Yep, and confirmed that was Tuber- Tuberville. I looked that up. Um, and uh, yeah, DeSantis' fascism is something that hasn't relented, although his early returns for the primary, he seems like uh, he's just going to get squashed like Trump did to everybody else so far, while remaining, keeping Florida fascist, KFF. It's really sad. I will never be able to go to Florida again in good conscience, but whatever. I mean, it's a state of like hypocritical Republican swamps and Disney. So it's not like I'm really missing anything. Honestly, Disney hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have kids. Like it would be fucking weird for me to just like go. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's like probably the one thing that like, you know. You don't feel like you're missing out too much by not being able to go to Disney. No. Plus, you could just go to the one in California, too. That is true. True. Yeah. I tell people at this point, if I didn't have family down in Florida, I would not be visiting there. Too much going on there. Um, Episode 39... We talked about legal challenges to Biden's student debt relief again (laughs) at this point. Um, The impending debt ceiling hostage situation, Republican hypocrisy again, redistricting attempts to outlaw slavery in 2022. Republican hypocrisy is really Craig's favorite topic. Yes, I saw that so many times. I was just like, wow. You should have a segment where it's just it's called Republican hypocrisy. Oh, that's what it is. I mean, that's why it's there so much. Is basically it's one of our one of our running segments. So whenever (laughs) I see it, it's usually pretty funny and ridiculous. So we throw it in there. Yeah, and then we talked about Brittany Griner. Um, She 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 was um. I forgot what it was, but she I heard her speak briefly the other day. And she, uh, of course, after her experience, she said she would never go play basketball overseas again. And rightfully so, because um, I'm sure that was traumatizing. But um, yeah. yeah, she's back and I think she's supposed to be playing again here. So good for her. And American shootings, which... Since then, when we discussed this, it's just been nonstop. It just seems like every day or every week, there's a new shooting, um, you know, incident, a mass shooting incident. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. There, we've had more mass shootings this year than there are days in the year, so. Yeah. It's just wild. On episode 40, um, 
We talked about ongoing midterm elections, inflation, voter suppression, SCOTUS on the verge of overturning decades of precedent, and every instance of rainbow um, fentanyl being given to trick-or-treaters, but there were none given. Thank goodness. Episode 41. Uh, yeah. Huh? Yep. There's always a ridiculous Halloween candy thing. Every yeah. Year. Yeah, that's true. So just, yeah, when the time comes, when Halloween comes, just be aware and be safe. And then Martina said, let's take this up a notch. I'm going to do some interviews. Yes. Yep. Which was my favorite. Because I just enjoy listening, just learning about people's lives and just their career background and what they have, you know, what they had going on in terms of how they're changing the world. So this was episode 41. This was during Black History Month. Um, oh, no, actually, no. This The first interview was with Randy Ficklin, a former MSW student um, at Stony Brook. And he is currently a forensic mental health specialist. So that, that conversation was on systemic racism, mass incarceration, and just be, basically the importance of educating, um, education and other, we talked about some other related topics. Um, so he has like, he's passionate about, you know, the issue on mass incarceration and how we can improve, um, you know, as far as I guess, this this issue is just ongoing. Um, so we talked about just education, starting from the education point um, and families, because I think we had spoke about like our families, what was happening around us, what lead to um, those individuals going to jail and what they're lacking and just the support that they need. And it's basically a crisis in this country. Episode 42, I interviewed another former student, um, MSW student, Nicole Tarangelo. She came on to speak about the Michael Valva case, mandated supporting, ma supporting mandated, um, I think reporting, like basically. Mandated supporting. Yeah, yeah. mandated supporting and how change is needed in terms of an ed education to support the movement um, to abolish the child welfare system and replace true supports to families. So I remember us just talking about, you know, just workers, just, well, the ch people who work in child welfare, um, you know, some oftentimes we go into homes and who, you know, we're quick to report um, some form of abuse, but really the family needs support. There's really not abuse going on. Um, but now this family has a case. But on this end with this Michael Valva case, it's just that not enough reporting was being done or they didn't take action and unfortunately these kids were being abused and yeah the reporting was happening and then they just didn't do anything about it yeah and this child the, the child wanted to you know he killed one of his kids so 
Um, so it goes from one extreme to the next, and I think we can do a better, um, better way of just revamping this whole system pretty much. Um, then on episode 43, we talked about election results, redistricting, white power movement, railroad dispute, Biden's Cuba slash Venezuela policy, um, involuntary hospitalization in NYC, gender affirming care. And let's talk about Jordan Neely for a second, mm-hmm. um, because finally, uh, Eric Adams, after a week, said that Jordan Neely, who was a person that got strangled on the subway uh, yeah, for, because of words he said to nobody in particular, I think. Uh, yeah, so he was strangled to death and it took a week and Eric Adams today finally said that he didn't deserve to die um, after, you know, I don't even know, what did he say? I, like, he was just kind of kicking the can down the road on saying anything. And then, you know, of course, the the like New York Post and and pro cop and right wing was all talking about oh we had forty arrests blah 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 all this shit and then the other thing that Eric Adams implied is that he like uh, if if the city had stronger involuntary hospitalization that he wouldn't be dead right now or something like that but oh, he also yeah. yeah he was <laughs> involuntarily hospitalized as well. And it goes without saying that being arrested 40 times is not, doesn't deserve a death sentence. Um, And clearly, you know, arresting somebody 40 times doesn't solve anything either. Definitely not. Well, I found out that one of the guys um, who were involved in murdering him, this, this young man. So his father was a former police officer. The Marine um, that strangled him or somebody else involved? No, the Marine that strangled him. I believe his dad is, was a former police officer. Oh, shocker. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go with all the, you know, bullshit pretty much of them, I guess, taking so long to arrest these people. <laughs> so I'm sure that plays part of it. In terms of protecting him. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 43, we again, uh, oh no, so 44, sorry, um, was the Georgia runoff problem with rural labor dispute narrative, SCOTUS case, Republican voter fraud, the need for Black teachers, trauma informed approach. Um, in Alabama, was that Alabama? In Baltimore. Yet? Baltimore. Okay, in New York, overdose prevention centers. Yeah, the the New York overdose prevention centers were a nice bit of recurring good news because they've been yeah doing, they, doing better than expected, and then and the that real uh, labor dispute kind of just went away really. It yeah, came to that resolution. Anything. Yeah, they didn't get there. The issue that was the whole thing was like, even if they got some paid leave, they like already had 
not like pay leave, but like sick days or yeah, you know, vacation days, whatever, personal days. Like they had the days already, but but like other factors of how the system was structured were preventing people from being able to take them. And I don't think that was ever resolved, but it did leave the news. Yeah, I haven't heard anything further about yeah. that. Episode 45, Speaker of the House. I call it Speaker of the House drama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Biden's judicial uh, nominees, Republican voter fraud. Yet again. Yeah. Governor Hochul, Hochul appointments. Um, Senator Murray's election as Senate. Uh, pro um, president pro tempore. I'm sorry. That's what it's PPT stands for. President pro tempore. Okay. Thank you for that. Abortion pills um, slash birth control access um, and effects of anti CRT laws. Well, uh, and then there's some news today was that uh, over the counter birth control pills uh, got some sort of preliminary approval from uh, the FDA. I am so excited about that because we are joining, literally it is us joining the developing worlds and allowing this to happen. Like you can, I've done it in so many different countries where I've gone to pharmacies for various reasons, nothing ever that serious, but I always ask them if they're allowed to sell birth control over the counter and every country I've done it in, you are in fact allowed to sell birth control over the counter. And it's fabulous. You can just walk in and get it. You don't need a prescription. You don't need a doctor. Uh, it's super safe. And the ones that are going to be over the counter in the US are just progesterone, which is typically considered safer than taking estrogen pills because with estrogen pills, you ca- you do run the risk of blood clots, um, if you have certain conditions, but progesterone doesn't have the same like blood clot factor in it. Um, so it's really exciting to be joining the developing world on the right course. Um, and I will also add to this that in the developing world, pharmacists are allowed to basically give almost anything over the counter in some countries, including narcotics. Um, and in the countries where they're allowed to give narcotics, they do sometimes need the approval of a doctor, but it's like a phone call instead of you having to go to the doctor first, um, because pharmacists are actually extremely well-trained individuals that really should have the ability to do a lot of this on their own. And it doesn't make a lot of sense why we require people to see doctors first for most things. Hmm. Yeah, it's great. One time I was in Guatemala and my mom's husband had to ask because the guy behind the counter only spoke Spanish and I was not yet on a quest to learn how to speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, And the pharmacist started laughing because he knew (laughs) that I was an American and he like knew why I was asking. (laughs) Um, He was laughing just like in a funny way, like ridiculous American policies. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He was very, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very nice. He just, he was laughing because like he knew I was an American and like, you can't do stuff like that here. <laughs> <laughs> it's also extremely affordable, even by the standards of like, um, by like foreign countries. So like the, when, when I asked in Guatemala, it, it cost the equivalent of, I, th- I think it was the equivalent of like five dot, like five US dollars a month. 
Um, so could, you know, could be considered like slightly pricey for there, um, but not anything like wild or out of control. I mean, when I was a teenager, it was, I had to pay a $50 copay a month. Um, this was like pre the Affordable Care Act, um, obviously. Oh, and that reminds me that there were companies that, uh, what was it like with insulin? Was it $35 a month? That was like no one, they were, they were going to try to make it so that no one had to pay more than that number, 35 So right now it's $30 a month if you were on, I believe, Medicaid. They yeah. were initially trying to do it for everybody. They were trying to mandate all insurance companies. Um, yeah. Fortunately, we're unable to do that, which is really quite ridiculous because if you do not have fabulous insurance to live with type one or type two diabetes is really unbelievably expensive. Um, and while more and more people are getting type one diabetes in their twenties and thirties, which is why they call it type one now and not juvenile. Um, there are like a significant portion of people who are diagnosed with type one diabetes, get it in childhood. So this is something that you were living with and paying for your entire life. And there is absolutely nothing that you can do to get rid of it. So, yeah. So $35 a month, whereas people on Medicare, uh, through the inflation reduction act. And then what I was, but then just through that push and the publicity from it, Eli Lilly and Sanofi or Sanofi, whatever it is, will cap it at 35 per month for people with private insurance. Just just out of vibes. Like it was a bad look to yeah. you know, keep gouging. So that well, was a good development. That's what happens a lot of times is that when Medicare or Medicaid do something like other, like the, the rest of the medical community will sort of follow, which is why sometimes yeah. even if you can't get like private insurance to do it, or you can't just mandate private insurance to do it, like having Medicare and Medicaid do it will like force them into it. And yeah, insulin is one of those things too, where like they, like the guy who created insulin gave up the patent on it so that it people could have access to it because again for most people living with diabetes there is nothing they can do to get rid of it like there's not people look at diabetes as a thing where like oh you can eat your way out of it like that's not true for most people like this is something you're gonna have to live with for the rest of your life and it's not just the insulin it's all the equipment that goes with it to the monitoring devices the checking your blood sugar levels all the time. It's like really quite unbelievable. Like what we do to people who are literally just trying to survive. Indeed. Yep. On episode 47, um, embarrassment that is in New York state politics. <laughs> What did you mean by that? Okay. The embarrassment that is New York state politics. I don't know if we were talking about George Santos at that point, oh, but it's highly likely. See? Yeah, wow. now he's indicted yes. this week. He's my <laughs> congressman, and I can't wait until he goes to jail. Oh, my gosh. And he, he came back to vote today from get, after getting indictment for unemployment benefit fraud. He 
came back to vote on a bill that I think he co-sponsors about unemployment fraud. So. Wow. Republican irony, I guess you could call it. I mean, it still is hypocrisy, but it's another level. Yeah. He's, there's something wrong with that guy. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty well established at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Something pathological. Yes. Get some help, definitely. Um, Alabama's election denying S. Um, I guess denying help. That's what you meant. What uh, were they denying? Where are we looking? Alabama's election. What happened there? Oh, the elect the. It's an election denying Secretary of State. Um, mm that I guess won their race, but is one of the examples that they're not stealing any races. I mean, you know, obviously it'll have harmful uh, implications, but not, but, you know, they're not, uh, not stealing anything from Democrats necessarily, but I think it was just an effort to sort of, you know, highlight the ones that did, you know, make it to office, maybe not one of the ones that people were afraid of winning necessarily as much as the others, but, you know, uh in there nonetheless okay then we spoke about the ongoing water crisis in jackson mississippi which by the way is still going on Mm. if anyone wants to know ongoing assault on i'm sorry it's really not surprising people have moved on to other things they don't care about it anymore yeah just this is how we we operate here just on to the next you know i'm looking back and i I think that this was pre-george santos that we were talking about uh new york politics and it was about the chief judge lasalle and i guess i felt that it was an embarrassing situation to have this guy uh be the nominee, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what my strong feelings were at that point, but because uh, <laughs> that's. I mean, well, the other thing we're kind of could have the other topic I see on the outline that could have applied was rolling back protections for trans prisoners. I mean, that is a result, I suppose, of politics. But I don't know. Might have to go back and listen to episode forty-seven to see what I was talking about. <laughs> And we also talked about the ongoing assault on trans rights, which is still continuing to be an issue, um, police accountability, um, and four-day weeks. I think we were talking about schools being open four days. I can't okay, yeah, either, either schools or uh, potentially four-day work weeks. Yeah, I don't remember which state, but I thought that was a great idea. And with the, yeah, and then, and with the water crisis, you know, it's like the example of basically the state government sort of leaving the city out to dry. And that's only like that type of thing is spreading with, like, I think in like Tennessee, where, and then maybe Virginia, where like Republicans in state power are trying to take like political agency away from, you know, often. Uh, like the cities that you know have a higher black population 
that's something that's been popping up more recently as well. Like trying to pass laws. And then like, uh, who is it? I think in Missouri, Kim Gardner is going to resign as, as attorney general because they're passing laws to take power away from her. And yeah. So it kind of rings, uh, it kind of echoes, you know, in other parts of mostly I'd say the South. And then pretty much um, episode 47 through 47, 48, 50, and 51, that was more um, more of the interviews that I did, and that was celebrating um, Black History Month. So again, I thank you, all of the guests that joined us that month. And um, episode 49, we talked about State of the Union, voting rights, and possible moding of more what did you mean by that um what was that story about which was which was it um more versus oh mooding of more versus harper yeah Yeah, which ended up pretty much happening so more versus harper was going to be the independent state legislature case where (laughs) basically it's like can the state legislature uh, overrule the federal government uh, or you know, not overrule, but like take precedence over anything that the federal government could do about it, or even the state Supreme court could do about it. But then what we talked about a few weeks ago with the North Carolina Supreme court, they reversed um, the maps that the liberal uh majority they they like you know tried to fix the gerrymandering and now they're gonna re-fuck up the the, the redistricting so that kind of moots uh more versus harper i think last i read that like you know it seems like it's not going to move forward so it's sort of an instance of is this going to happen and it seems like it is okay and then we talked about the potential abortion pill ban and the pride Nassau County um, and George Santos. We just yeah, spoke about yeah. him there. Yeah, we were. I was sarcastically referring to him as the pride of Nassau County. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got it. Um, and in episode fifty-two to fifty-four. Um, March was Disability Awareness Month and as well as um, Women's History Month. So I, again, interviewed a few guests on, you know, relating to this topic, women on women issues and disability. And um, episode 55, Trump's indictment. So, <laughs> which we talked about a little bit earlier and i'm sure we're going to keep talking about it through the rest of the year and the year to come so as he's he's doing his town hall as we record this as an indicted insurrectionist former president i saw that and he was just found liable for basically sexual assault and defamation but in the civil case of uh eugene carroll i think like yesterday yep I saw yeah. that too. Yeah, so I wonder if they mentioned any of that at all. I guess I'll find out when I look at my Twitter timeline at some point after this. 
And um, the elections in Wisconsin and Chicago, SCOTUS developments across several states, reparations in Evanston, Illinois, and the NYPD shooting response um, to a mental health crisis. This story took place in the Bronx. I remember talking about this one. Um, episode 56, Thomas Clarence. Um, Clarence Thomas. Clar yeah, Clarence Thomas. For some reason in that Sorry. one, it's been like James Bond. Thomas, Clarence <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> um, New York State bail reform and budget talks, the social work licensing exam, New York State uh, nominees, abortion and trans medical care bills in Colorado, Missouri, and Florida. We talked about Black maternal health, ban of study of fascism in Los Angeles, recent shootings and Aeneas um, leak audio in Oklahoma. I remember that story. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, episode 57, Biden's 2024 announcement that he will be running the debt ceiling and cuts to Medicaid, Tucker Carlson's um, ouster. Well, that, yeah, it's when he got fired pretty much. Um, SCOTUS ethics violations, Florida Surgeon Those have General just been piling on the ethics violations. I don't even know if we talked about uh, Harlan Crow paying for his like child relative to go to school, and then what was it today? Uh, it was just more, more, it just doesn't stop. I forget what it was, Sam. Like, wow, just more and more and more. Oh, I didn't see that one. Um, then was the Florida Surgeon General's COVID lies, housing first, NYC, and attacks on civil rights. And um, this is um, Massachusetts or Mississippi, oh, Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi Texas. and Texas. Of course, new, I should have, yeah. I should have known. <laughs> yeah, the newest thing. Uh, well, both that. Harlan Crow has uh, refused to disclose details about um, his gifts and payments and stuff. And then also uh, there were payments uh, to Ginny Thomas that, you know, Clarence's wife, that I believe Leonard Leo or someone like him were you know, asking to be paid by their, you know, the, their nonprofit, quote unquote, uh, that, you know, the dark, the dark money organization. Yeah. Leonard Leo um, told the, so he directed uh, Kellyanne Conway to give Ginny Thomas uh, another 25 K quote. This is a, this is uh, an article by Jane Meyer in The New Yorker who wrote Dark Money that I've been recommending to everybody uh, to read. Um, so Leo explicitly directed Conway to give Ginny Thomas another 25K, and he emphasized that the paperwork should, quote, should have, quote, no mention of Ginny, of course. Like, wow. this needs to be a crime, please. <laughs> mm -hmm. Crazy. Oh, yep, and that was 
all of our episodes. And today, this is our last one. It's just a review of all the episodes and mental health awareness. And we're going to get into um, laws and voting because, you know, as I was explaining to the both of you, they're just confusing. And I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, you know, the different um, terms, whether it's legislation, policy, bill, act, laws, a lot of times I just confuse all of them. And I find other students are doing the same thing. So I thought this would be great to talk about. And I know this is Jessica's niche. Like she just <laughs> loves this stuff and just voting, like what's the process um, for voters. And I always find it difficult to, when I have to go look up these candidates, like what their history was, you know, and what elections are coming up, right? So I'm always finding like, it's just hard to find the date sometimes. But when it came, comes to the presidential elections, it's just, you hear about it. It's everywhere. This is what you do. And I start asking myself, well, what, what elections are most important? You know, um, yeah. So this is, this is what we're going to um, end with. And I'll let Jessica speak on it a little bit. All right. Well, let me just start with the fact that all elections are important. You should participate in all of them. And for those of you who are not aware, school board and library board elections are happening on Tuesday. So if you live on Long Island um, and you care about education and you care about not having your children brainwashed by Moms Demand Action or God, Moms for Liberty moms for liberty or vote for MAGA candidates, then it's really important that you remember to show up and vote on Tuesday. Um, there really isn't any election that isn't important. They're all important. Um, yeah, Moms Demand Action is a gun a gun safety uh, group. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's Moms for Liberty. And, yeah. No, there's another one too. Oh, there is. Yeah, wow. I can't remember the other one. Sarah's gonna be so mad at me. Um, <laughs> it's Moms for Liberty and find it. Other, I don't know, some other crazy like MAGA group that like just wants to brainwash your kids and like, I don't know. It's Off in the Astro turfed, which Moms for Liberty was by, uh, like either the Cokes or Harlan Crow or like one of the evil billionaires I'd heard of already. Yeah. So participate in all of the elections that you can participate in that you are eligible to vote in. So if you live in New York City, you don't have a school board election to vote in because the school board functions completely different in New York City. But for all of you that live on Long Island, every school board election is on Tuesday. So this includes a budget vote and for your candidates for your local school board. So remember to show up. Um, but yeah, I mean, in order to show up though, you need to be registered to vote. So that's really important. So if you don't know if you're registered to vote, or if you don't remember where you're registered to vote, the best place to start is voterlookup.org. 
www.elections.ny.gov. And if you can't remember that or it doesn't make sense to you, just go to Google and type in NYS, am I registered to vote? And it'll be one of the first things that pops up. It'll ask you for some information about yourself, including your county, last name, first name, birthday, and your zip code. So if you put all that information in and it comes back that you they can't find you, that means you're probably registered at an old address or at your college address or whatever it is. So if you click, if you do that and it pops up that you are, in fact, looking for the correct person at the correct address, it is really the best website that you can use in New York State because this pulls information directly from the New York State Board of Elections. It will include at the top of the page, if you have an upcoming election, it will include all of your early polling sites. So for those of us who live in counties, like I live in Nassau County, so I'm allowed to go to any early voting poll site in the county and vote. Um, it will list off all the ones that exist in the county. It will tell you your election day poll site, which is going to be a fixed location no matter where you live in the state. Um, if you live in New York City, you are assigned an early voting poll site, so you do have to go to a specific place, but most counties outside of the city, you can go wherever. So we'll tell you where your early polling sites are, where your same day, you know, day of the election site is. It will give you your voter information, so your name, the address you're registered at, if you're registered with a particular political party, um, and it will tell you whether or not your voter status is active or inactive, which is really important for you to know. Um, if it is inactive, then you should call the Board of Elections and get that rectified. And then it will give you your district information. So it will tell you what county legislative, what state Senate and Assembly district, and what congressional district you live in by the number. Um, so you can take that number and look up who represents you. There are also other websites to do that. And the best feature on this site now, which is a newer feature, is that when you get closer to any given election day, for any town race or above, so not municipal elections, it's not going to do it for your school board or library board elections, but it'll do it for your town, county, state, and federal elections. It will actually show you the name of everyone who's going to appear on the ballot. So if this, you know, so this year is is an odd year. So we don't vote for anything state or federal in New York. We only vote for county and town stuff in November. So when we get closer to that November election, it will show me my county legislative district is 18. It will show me who's running as a Democrat or Republican, a conservative, a working families party member, whoever's running in that election, and give me the name of that person. So I can actually look them up and look up information for them. And then next year, it will show me who is running, you know, on, for Congress, because that's what we're going to vote for next year, state Senate, state assembly, all of that. So this is the best place to do anything in New York, because New York is so confusing that what I find is oftentimes um, nonprofit organization websites do not provide the best information. 
Um, because it is so confusing in New York, they oftentimes get it a little wrong. So this is the best place to start. If you want to know who represents you, then you can also go to like the New York State Senate website and look it up by your address if you just want the name of the person, if you don't want your district. Um, but everybody should be voting in every election. In New York, it's really important to understand that we do you still have closed primaries? So if you want to vote in a primary election, you do need to be registered with a particular political party to vote in their primary. Um, this is not the case in every state, but it is the case in New York state. And if you live within New York City, that really has an impact on your voting practices because the Democratic Party has such a stronghold in New York City that effectively, if you are not in most city council districts, most assembly and senate districts, most congressional districts, and especially for New York City mayor, if you are not voting in the Democratic primary, then you are effectively really not voting in the election because the Democratic primary, especially for mayor, is just going to decide who wins. So if everybody remembers two years ago, Eric Adams ran in the first primary that happened in New York City as a ranked choice voting. Um, and he did win that primary, but most of the coverage of that primary really focused on the fact that whoever won that Democratic primary was going to be the next mayor of New York City because the Republicans had such a slim chance of actually winning a mayoral race. It's not to say it's never going to happen. The you know The mayor of New York City has been a Republican and an independent in the last 25 years, but it would be really difficult at this point and at the state that we are in, in this country for that to actually happen, which really impacts people's choices in New York City, because sometimes even diehard Republicans will just register as a Democrat so they can vote for who they want to in the Democratic primary. Um, so it's a really interesting quirk uh, that was also very typical down South um, in the Jim Crow era. So everybody should be voting in every election, especially your hyper-local elections. The school board elections on Tuesday are going to decide, you know, who sets the policies for all of the school districts on Long Island from, you know, hiring and firing non-tenure people to, you know, book selection and whether or not they're going to censor, you know, school libraries and librarians and, you know, we live, especially on Long Island, in this red bubble in a typically very blue state. Um, we like to make fun of places like Florida and Texas for the crappy things that they're doing to LGBTQ youth. We like to judge, you know, the entirety of the South for enslaving millions of people and then Jim Crow and everything else that went along with that. But in reality, Long Island isn't better. Um, and honestly, it's worse than some of <laughs> these places that we constantly make fun of. Between the segregation, we all know that school districts are either, you know, black or white or Hispanic. Like there's so little integration in New York. Um, the book banning that's going on throughout Long Island, the banning of pride flags in schools, like all of this matters and all of this gets to be decided by these elections that no one pays attention to. And typically a couple hundred people will go vote in. Um, so it's really quite pathetic. Um, Martina, is there anything else about voting that I'm 
<laughs> any specific questions you have? Um, I think you covered a lot of it. Um, I know the school board now, like for, for, for my son, their school is actually having like a science fair and they sent home a letter. We can actually vote at the science fair. I so I'm that. not sure where everybody's going to vote, but I'm sure the website, um, which you mentioned, um, so as that far website as, yeah. does not provide information on school board or library board elections. Those are municipal elections that are completely controlled by the municipality. Okay. So the New York State Board of Elections doesn't govern school or library board elections. The library board and the school board do. So, oh. yeah. So you can't go there to figure that out. You have to call your school board, your, the school district, the administration building, mm -hmm. or you can typically you'll get something in the mail. Like I got something in the mail last week about the budget and going to vote and it tells me where to vote. I mean, it's the same place it's been the entire time I've lived here. So it's not that serious for me. Um, so yeah, you should get some, everyone gets something, typically everyone gets something in the mail about the school board election directly from the district. Yeah, I, I got something in the mail as well. But then additionally, I like, I got the, um, yeah, my son's school is having a science fair and they were like, oh yeah, you guys, by the way, don't forget to vote. So I thought that was really nice of them to remind the parents, you know, please vote and they'll be, you know, you can vote pretty much at the science fair that they're going to be having. I love that. I wish every school district could do that, have an event that gets parents to come to the school. I mean, obviously there's probably a ton of parents who have to work who aren't yeah. going to necessarily be there. Like maybe one parent will go or grandparents will go or whatever. But not every, I know not everyone's going to show up, but that really probably increases voter turnout. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. And then you mentioned, um, so usually, so there's an election pretty much every single year is, you know, there's the school board and the library election every year. And then November, um, what did you say? I'm sorry. There's an election every year, multiple times a year. So I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. Um, I ended up voting a ton of times because there was the school board and the library board elections in May. And then we had two different primaries and I had, I was, had the opportunity to vote in both of them. And there was a November general election, but there are multiple elections every year. So if you live in a village, like, Oh, Martina, you live yeah, in a village. <laughs> so yeah. like you have village elections at some point in the spring. So you elect a mayor and you elect village trustees, which those elections are also municipal and completely controlled by the village, but they're on a different day than the school board and library board elections. My, I'm lucky that my school and library board elections, my entire adult life have been on the same day, but there are districts and rather large districts like Patchogue, Medford is a rather large district that their library board election is in April and their school board election is in May. Every school board on Long Island, the election is the third Tuesday in May. 
that's standard on Long Island, but library boards aren't standard. So some of them are the first Tuesday in April. Some of them are the third Tuesday in, in May with the, with the school board elections, which is super helpful because everyone's already there. So I just have to vote once for that. Mm-hmm. Then our primary elections in New York every year are supposed to be the fourth Tuesday in June. Now, last year that got a little messed up because of the whole redistricting issue and the fact that we had to redraw some of our maps. So there was an extra primary in August, but that's not typical and shouldn't happen again, at least until after the next time we do the census um, and have to redistrict. And then every year in New York, there is an election in November. So the elections continue to be the first Tuesday in November that follows a Monday. So if November 1st is a Tuesday, that will not be the election day. It will be November 8th. Um, So this year it's actually November 7th. Um, So yes, so we always have an election. So this year is 2023. So we have the really local stuff. So we have the town. So I live in the town of Oyster Bay. I elect this year um, my town supervisor, three council people. Yeah, my town supervisor and three council people. Two years from now, it will be my town town supervisor, three council people, and my receiver of taxes and the town clerk, but they get four-year terms. So... That's who I'm voting for. I also have to elect a county legislator, and then that's it for me. But in Suffolk County, the county executive races this year, which is really just so important because that's the person who literally runs your county. Um, the county executives are not elected in the same. The town, the Nassau and Suffolk County county executives are not elected in the same year. Um, so they're they're like off. They each get four year terms. So this year Suffolk, and then two years from now will be Nassau, and then next year we have to elect a president. Um, but also the entire congressional delegation, uh, House of Representatives, is up for reelection. I believe that Kristen Gillibrand is going to actually be on the ballot next year too, because we reelected Chuck Schumer two years last year. Um, so Kristen Gillibrand should be on the ballot again too. And then two years after that, we won't have a Senate race. And then our entire New York state legislature is up for reelection. So every member of the assembly and every member of the Senate. And then we also, depending on where you live, will have a ton of judicial races in any given year because we elect most of our judges in New York state. Um, so it depends on where you live, who gets elected. In Nassau and Suffolk, we elect family court judges. So people who have to make decisions about whether or not kids get to stay with their parents, custody disputes, stuff like that. Um, We also elect county court judges who do a variety of different things. Um, Supreme Court judges, which are the, the, the Supreme Court is the lowest court in New York State, not the highest. If you live in New York City, you don't elect family court judges, but you do elect civil court judges. Um, so there's a ton of things and the judge thing changes all of the time, depending on the year. Yeah. Thank you for, um, clarifying that. So 
Well, I pretty much made a mental note where every month I have to look up this stuff <laughs> because it's just so much to remember. And even when you mentioned there's a village um, election, you see, I, I'll just get lost with this, you know? Um, so going forward, I just have to put this on my calendar on a monthly basis, just keep going on there or every two months just to look it up, see what elections are coming up. I do um, it January 1st because I'm not a big like New Year's Eve person. So um, I'm not hungover on January 1st. <laughs> so I wake up in the morning and I do, I put in all of my elections for the year and like anything, you know, anything else I need for the year. I start the year fresh with figuring out when I need to vote. That's that. Yeah, that's good practice. So, yeah, I guess you don't have to do it every month, but um, or if it helps. Yeah, I guess. Or you can do it on January 2nd if, you, if you're hungover <laughs> <laughs> or January 3rd or something. It's fine, too. Um, yeah, yeah, just to get um, an idea. Yeah, it's my beginning of the year thing. Yeah. So I'll definitely be doing that going forward because, again, like you mentioned, voting in every election is very important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you again for speaking on this topic and clarifying it for us. And that's all I have for you guys. Great. Well, I'm glad uh, we got that uh, spoken about and clarified. Hopefully that was helpful um, for those who were kind of cloudy on that stuff. Um, and uh, I just updated my voter registration online. I realized <laughs> I hadn't done that because I had changed my address, but not updated my voter registration. Um, so I finally did that. That's how easy it was. You could do it while podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this season, I guess. It sort of happened that way that now that our seasons uh, sort of align with the school years here. Um, Martina, it's been wonderful. I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, see you again on here. And, uh, Definitely. you know, we'll, we'll chit chat about the goings on uh, offline. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, thanks, Jess. Thanks, Martina. Thanks everybody who, who's uh, been listening. And, uh, of course, thank you to Meridian Falcone for coming up with the podcast idea, inspiring it, giving us our logo, and to my friend, the Grammy Award-winning Vinny Alfano of Anonymous Hair Salon in Soho for our theme song. We will see you next time. <laughs>